Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Way with Jamila Jamil. I hope you're well. Merry Christmas, if that is a holiday that you celebrate. I'm not a big Christmas person. I like a twinkling light, but I'm not particularly interested in any kind of forced sentimental holiday where I have to be with people that I don't want to be with and pretend to be cheerful all day. I'm English. That's just not how I roll. And I don't drink, so I can't even get drunk and pretend. So I enjoy a very chill Christmas day where I don't really celebrate it. And I, um, I don't know, I just sort of don't talk to or do talk to whoever I wish. It's a day of my email not going off and good telly and really great food. And that's about it. And so tomorrow, I hope you're having a great time and maybe you're reunited with people that you weren't able to be with last year. And I feel so happy for you if that's the case and hope it's as wonderful as can be. But if you're alone right now and having a bit of a shit time and looking at Instagram and seeing how happy everyone's like happiest moment of the day, that's probably also filled with stress and arguments. But if you're seeing just that perfect Kodak moment of everyone else's big happy families and it's making you feel isolated and shit, please don't. It's just a day. And I'm also having a chill one. And the day after will just be a regular old day just again, this is all, I mean, it's, I I get that it's meaningful, but it's also quite corporate and it's okay if today is not a hallmark occasion for you. I'm with you and I, I have so much love and compassion for anything that you're feeling good or bad today. Now, speaking of compassion, the reason I've chosen to re-release today's episode is because it's one of the most meaningful episodes on the entire podcast and it's one of the only times I've cried and found it really hard to keep myself together and it's because I was so moved by the beautiful and incredible human being who sits down with me. Her name is Josephine Norton And she started, she was one of the founders of Choose Love, which is one of the world's leading charities and organisations for refugees. They provide everything from sanitary towels to heating products, to hygiene products, to healthcare, to ambulances, to rescue people in war-torn countries that they are fleeing from. They also help pay for legal fees for anyone seeking immigration counsel. And every penny that you spend goes to those refugees, to helping those refugees. And because she's a friend of mine, I can say that with confidence. Her story of how she went from being someone who was essentially quite a party girl to one of the world's leading advocates is so 
deeply terrifying and inspiring and makes you realise that nothing you've done before today can define you. You can choose tomorrow to live a completely different life and change the world. And her story is so ridiculous. What this company does is so spectacular. And because it's Christmas, they open their Choose Love store. Now, this store is where I buy all of my Christmas presents, where in the names of my friends, I will purchase something like 40 satellite phones that will go directly to refugees. It's almost like a wish list. Or I will buy so many sanitary towels or so much stationery for the kids who are trying to be schooled. It's such an essential and beautiful way to spend money if you're going to at this time of the year for the people who need it the most. It feels really good to buy things from Choose Love and you can find their website chooselove.org. It's honestly the perfect gift. And so I would love for you to go to chooselove.org and I would love for you to listen to this incredible story. And I guess you hear kind of a, a, a different side to me because obviously I'm a different person when I'm sitting down with my mate who knew me from 10 years ago than I am when I'm absolutely terrified of Jane Fonda or Gloria Steinem or all the other um, people who I know less and I'm very afraid of. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I think you will. Even if you've heard it before, listen to it again because it will restore your faith in humanity. This is the unbelievable almost inhumanly wonderful and charming and gorgeous and everything. Bloody Josie Norton. Bloody hell, everyone. I've gone and gotten an actual saint on my podcast. I have a real life, modern day saint on the I Weigh podcast with Jamila Jamil. It's my friend and my hero <laughs> and my icon, Josie Norton. Hello. Hello, Saint Jamila Jamil. Oh no, shut up. I will, I will not have this shit from you anymore. I will stop. I will no longer tolerate you saying I'm doing anything helpful in the world when you are just, oh God. You're you're saving the planet. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. I miss you so much. I haven't seen you in like a year. I miss you. I know it's crazy. Who would have Who would have thought? No, I know we were we were tackling what we thought were you know the, as hard as things could get, and then things just got so much harder. And I can't imagine what in your line of work that has looked like and been like. Um, so let's just kick off first of all and explain who you are. Uh, you are. I'd say the founder or one of a few founders of Help Refugees, also known as Choose Love. And will yeah, you just explain to us exactly what you do? Of course. Um, so yeah, I am, the way I describe myself is co-founder and CEO of Choose Love. Um, and we started um, five and a half years ago in response to the refugee crisis in 2015, which is when a million people arrived in Europe seeking sanctuary, mainly from Syria, but also from places like Afghanistan and Iraq and Eritrea and South Sudan. Um, and we were a group of people who just wanted to do something to help. We wanted to raise a thousand pounds and one van load of like tents and sleeping bags and take them to Calais in Northern France. And 
Uh, the links that we set up, they went viral. We ended up raising £56,000 in a week instead of £1,000. And we set up an Amazon wish list of the tents and sleeping bags. And we ended up receiving 7,000 packages a day. Um, and we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do with all of this stuff? We had no idea who we were going to give it to. Um, and we went to Northern France and expected to find a big aid organisation taking care of people. And what we found actually was at that time 5,000 people living in a field. There was like mud up to your knees. People didn't have tents if they had a tent at all. It was a crappy tent with holes in it. There were families, children. They didn't have diapers. People didn't have shoes on. And you just couldn't unsee what we'd seen. And we ended up um, partnering with a local French organization, renting a warehouse, starting a distribution system, a shelter building program, funding teachers and medical and... Uh, to cut a really long story short, we um, five and a half years later, we now work in um, 15 countries in Europe, the Middle East and the US-Mexican border, filling the gaps in protections and services for refugees and displaced people, of which, unfortunately, there are so many. Um, we work with 120 different partner organizations. We've reached over a million people um, and we've raised $43 million. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> insane I mean this is just and and you know what there are like a billion I honestly I want to cry every time I hear about what you've achieved because I'm so fucking proud of you and in awe of you but also I'm genuinely like getting emotional because what makes your story even more profound is that you don't come from this like big political background you don't come from a hugely connected background like we grew up the same way and you did not have help you were working in show business uh, up until that moment. And that was a really bonding moment for you and me where you were like, I think I want to leave this industry that feels yeah. like it's just not really, you know, fair enough, show business, music, all these different things. They make people feel better temporarily, but you felt like you weren't really being able to make a difference in the world. And you just abandoned your career overnight, it felt like. And within three months of that first van that you drove to try and help <laughs> refugees, you had left your entire career, just an ordinary woman with uh, an extraordinary uh, capacity for empathy and love and humanity who has gone on to do something that has changed people's lives. I've met people now who have been changed because of the work that you've done, who now have a house to live in, have education, who are going on to like receive their doctorates and, and to be able to qualify to work in other countries. And I'm as someone, you know, whose parents were able to leave their situation and move over to the United Kingdom and start again. And therefore, my brother and I had opportunities that they didn't have. Like, I, I feel so passionately about people being able to start a better life somewhere else. And it means the world to me what you do. And so, you know, it's a bit more serious than I normally am on my sofa. But like, you know, I just... You're making me cry. Um, but you know, I, I, I... You know, this isn't just me. This is absolutely a movement. And in that moment in 2015, and there's a particular moment that when the photo of the boy, Island Kurdi, yeah. who um, lost his life, he was three, and he there's that photo of him, he washed up on the shore of Turkey. Um, it, it like caused a, a like explosion of compassion, I think, in people. And it, it, it humanized an issue that had been so politicized yeah. and... And, oh, no, this is just about people. And and for me, that was very much, I just, 
you know, I feel like it was a privilege to end up like life happened. I ended up, I was suddenly in Calais in this, in a refugee camp. And it sounds stupid, but I, you know, that you see numbers all the time. And when I was looking at human beings in the eyes and I, it's like, it could be my mom or it could have been me. Or if I had kids, they could have been my kids. It's like, holy shit, this is just people. And I really like, there are, it's, it's brilliant and amazing to, to do a degree in this sector and all of those things, of course, but in yeah. a way it's like, actually to understand all of this, the only experience you need is to be a human being. And, and that is what this is all about. This is just about humanity and love, hence choose love. But I, I, I really feel like this is just a total privilege and we've been very lucky as an organization and there are all of the partner organizations we work with they are the real heroes on the front line and indeed actually the displaced people who the bravery and the strength that it takes when you have had everything taken away from you when you have lost family members to then still push forward and that that like that drive for life is something that is so inspiring and I feel completely changed and lucky to to get to be to get to see that every day can we can we talk about that journey because I feel you know you keep saying that it's politicized and it's so true and I think deliberately the heroic nature of the journey in which you perhaps as a parent are taking the risking the lives of your two like sometimes infants and putting them on a boat or in the back of a truck and having no idea like what you're going to find on the other end if you even make it to the other end we never talk about the bravery of that story uh, because the government don't want us to find it noble they don't want us to see it as acceptable even never mind a mark of complete not only desperation but it's i mean it's extraordinary it's extraordinary what it some is. of these people have had to do. So will you break down like for an example of what people have to do and like what the situation would be like, let's take Syria, for example, what was yeah. happening there that forced people and what was that journey like for those people? So in, in Syria, um, as an example, but there are, there are different stories from different countries, but in a way it's all the same story. But in Syria, the, 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 the regime began turning against its own people, bombing people also with the support of Russia and Iran. And people, I mean, you, we've all seen the footage, we've seen things like the, the the White Helmets film that people can watch on Netflix. But I mean, towns decimated, chemical weapons have been used, people have been put in prison, tortured. I mean, the level, the number of detainees is just heartbreaking. I mean, it, the, the situation, the war has been been going for years and years and you know even the word war is a complicated thing because this is a government turning on its own people and what do you do you ca- you can't stay you have a child you can't stay what what is going to what is going to happen to it? it it may not survive so you have no choice but to risk risk your life um and now actually in idlib in syria the the borders are so hardly cl- hard closed that there are millions of people a million children who are just stuck there and there are bombs still falling and they've got nowhere to go and we're very lucky to get to work with organizations who, who are there trying trying to keep people alive but i mean so you literally you, you fund ambulances that pull children out of the rubble and like pull families out 
right? We 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 have done. Yeah, yeah. We've, we were very lucky to begin working with the White Helmets in 2015. Who yeah. literally, when a bomb drops, rather than run away, they go in and they pull people out of the rubble and they save people's lives. And so then, but you imagine people are leaving on foot. They they have to just pick a few of their belongings if there are belongings left, and they are making these journeys. They some people don't have any money at all. I mean. It, it, it's going through countries after countries on all different forms of transport, a lot of walking, a lot of not having food, a lot of not having water. There's unfortunately a lot of exploitation that happens to people. It's so unsafe. Like what? What do you mean? Family. Well, I mean, it's diff- It's difficult. There's people are are forced to, to do jobs that they're not being paid properly for in order to get the money that's going to get them to be able to tra- travel further on their journey and different things happen there's a lot of very heartbreaking stories there's a, unfortunately a lot of sexual violence I, I was mean, gonna say like a lot of yeah. girls I've heard a lot of stories of girls and boys um people who yeah. are who are forced into uh kind of prostitution that wouldn't even be paid for like they're just yeah. what's well, essentially there's sex slavery the, yeah uh, yeah there's there's awful stories and particularly in in Libya there's the the the, the prisons and there's sla- slavery I mean there's it's there's yeah it, it it's, too, it's sometimes too, too too you can't ask people sometimes for these stories because it's it's too traumatic and you so yeah and I, I probably wouldn't want to share examples but we can we can all imagine the kind of things that that are happening and families get separated there are kids on their own something I didn't know when I when this all happened was that there I didn't know what an unaccompanied child was but that's like that's a term and in the sector there's a an acronym UAM but no these are children on their own. Um, and as you, I've met kids who are eight completely by themselves, who, who have lo- lost their family and they're, they're doing this journey. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. And people have, you know, then gone through Turkey. Then the only way to get to Europe is on a boat. Um, there's the, these boats are obviously, there's, they're obviously not legal because people's passports have been told, no, your passport doesn't count anymore. You're not a human being in the same way as everybody else. Um, and, and so there are smugglers, um, these boats, they're like dinghies and often the smugglers will put double the amount of people on these dinghies than the, the dinghies would be safe for. Um, and people are given life jackets. We've, we've seen life jackets that aren't, they're not even real life jackets. So they, uh, they like made with fake polystyrene and they actually can like hold the water so people sink more. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah, there's not anyone on the boats to drive the boats who knows how to drive them. There's so many different things of of why it can go wrong. And then people are, are on these boats doing this journey. It's it's so dangerous. And then that we, we see we see people losing their lives and because the boat sinks, because the boat gets into trouble, because of the weather, because of the life jackets. Anyway, often and we, we work at the crossing between Turkey and Greece and also Libya and Italy. Um, supporting amazing organizations like SOS Med and Refugee Rescue are an organization who we've worked with for a very long time. Um, but yeah, people, people drown. That's just like it, it, I don't, I can't, I don't know. Yeah. I get, I get lost for words in thinking about the, the, the things that people have to go through and how lucky we are that we haven't been dealt that hand of cards. 100%. Um, and then, and then people, you know, there's, there's the saying that gets talked about a lot, but I think it's really true that you wouldn't, you wouldn't put your child in the, in the water unless it was safer than the land. And you just wouldn't like people just 
they just wouldn't. Um, and as I talked about, you know, lots of people will say, oh, well, well, there's no war in Turkey, but there is a lot of human rights abuses. And, it, you know, that if you haven't been given your legal status, well, then the only employment you can have is not employment at all. That's exploitation. And um, it's, it's yeah, they have no choice. And then they arrive in Europe and you would think, and I'm sure they probably think as well, that there will be some some form of welcome and they they are absolutely within their rights to claim protection to claim asylum um but unfortunately and over the last five years we've seen the environment become so much more hostile um so if we take the greek islands as an example you arrive um and you are put into a one of one of the camps on the islands but the camps are so over capacity so you're basically just you'll be registered and then put there. You'll be given a geographical restriction so you can't leave the island. And you'll put into a camp. Thanks to Grassroots Partners, you will be, if there wasn't any space available, which there won't be, um, you'll be given a tent, um, perhaps a pallet if you're lucky, that's so that your tent isn't directly on the floor. Um, there's very little in the, the way of access to water, to toilets, Again, there's grassroots organizations who we work with who work night and day, volunteers who are, you know, tr trying trying to find solutions, who are putting in toilets, who are putting in showers, who are trying to find ways for there to be hot water, who are leveling the land. Often in these places, that it's like on hills and um, it, it, it's so dangerous. People don't have shoes. They don't have clothes. They don't have... Uh, if they get sick, there's not proper access to medical care. Um, and you could be there for years. Um, and then COVID on top, on, on top of this. Now, you know, we were very lucky to work with amazing community centers and women's centers who offer some respite from that, from that camp where people are living. And, but of course, because of COVID, they, they're not able to be open and everyone's incredible and adaptive and flexible and trying to, you know, take services online and do distributions in a different way. But people have been on lockdown in camps. They, they haven't been able to leave. They've had, you know, you're not able to follow the, the rules that we're being told we need to do to protect ourselves and protect our families. You can't, isolate you can't self-isolate you can't you know isolate the vulnerable because you might live 10 people four generations in one tent um in the winter it's freezing cold i it, it, yeah we're, we're coming into winter now and this is going to be our sixth winter since we began um so it's it's really bleak you might be desperately trying to reach your family who you got separated from and they've managed to reach another country but you need to get a lawyer uh, the processes are bureaucratic. It's complicated. Um, like I said, we talked about unaccompanied children. There are unaccompanied children living here. Who are so vulnerable, by the way, just to the worst possible people with the worst possible agendas who would massively benefit from finding an unaccompanied child. The yeah, things that we're reading, yeah. even just out of what's happening at the border in the United States, just the people that prey on the vulnerable in those situations yeah. is just terrifying. Uh it's it's really it's really terrifying and there, there are people with disabilities people i get like this what kind of what kind of world do we live in where where someone who has lost their legs in war is being asked to live in a tent on the, on a hill like i can't yeah i don't understand it and and actually these numbers that they aren't as big as everyone thinks and sometimes you start to think like in the in the uk at the moment there's been a lot of talk about the the channel between the UK and France. And some of the things that the government has been talking about to, to stop 
to stop these crossings is like putting wave machines in the sea, taking people off to other, to islands thousands of miles away and keeping them there. And there are like, it's like, at what point does just being from thinking about what a human solution might look like become the, become the easier option. It's like, this is something has gone so wrong. And then we keep talking about protecting borders and building walls, but like never talking about protecting human beings. Yeah. And, and I think a really important conversation to have this year of all, and we've seen even some of the, the worst human beings on public, um, <laughs> on British television admit to this, that it's been fucking immigrants who've come through and saved people's lives this year. I mean... Your frontline workers, your NHS workers, your nurses, the people cleaning up all of the dead bodies out of the hospitals or looking after your grandmother. Those people are very often immigrants. Yeah, they a hundred percent. We ha- I have a great great friend called Hassan Akkad who um, is from Syria. He did the journey himself. There's a, actually an amazing documentary you can watch called Exodus. He filmed his journey. So if you if you want to see what a journey is like, you can you can literally see. And he he um, did that crossing between um, Greece and Turkey, and he nearly drowned. And you you can you can see it all. Um, and he was in Calais and he, he and I actually ended up meeting on the news in 2015 and he became an amazing spokesperson and advocate. Um, he won a BAFTA actually for, for his filming of his, his journey in Exodus. But he, when, when COVID happened, he, I remember so vividly, he texted me and said, um, I want to volunteer. I want to help. And he ended up working in frontline ICU COVID ward, cleaning the ward every day. Um, and he did a, he did a video and it, and it ended up going, going viral, but he was literally risking his life every single day, saving lives, working in a, in a COVID ward. And it's like, you know, people, people politicize this word refugee. Well, here is an example of like, literally a, a, a hero that there aren't there aren't many people like him on this earth that that is who a refugee is 100 i mean just the strength of what it would take to be someone who can make it over to the other side again i find it when i read the the news and the ways in which they talk about them and they make them sound like these this is i mean it's classic this is rhetoric that's been used back in like nazi germany like this is yeah. this is this is so old-fashioned uh and and so archaic but they will like they will they will convince the British public who they have not exposed any of the empathetic or humane side of these people and their stories to mm. they will convince them that these people are parasites who are coming over to steal your jobs to rape your women to to, like, to bring up crime in the streets like they're coming over here to start trouble it's like no they are escaping trouble and yes a minority of any fucking group of human beings however marginalized even they may be may be responsible for some sort of crime or bad behaviour. But what the tactic is, there's no group in the world. There's no group in the world that isn't responsible, but we are all prone to some sort of bad behaviour. And then on top of that, especially when it's a marginalised group, what was the system that pushed them into a situation where they needed to steal or they have been so dehumanised themselves that they go and do something that is dehumanised in itself? We never think of the cause, just the symptom. So what we do is we take those minority of offences right? The five or six cases maybe even that happen. And we 
pummel the news with them and we yeah. put, put them fucking everywhere and repeat the same story again and again and again and again to drum up fear against these people yeah. and think that all Syrians, all people, all uh, refugees from all different, especially if they're from a Muslim country, they're all here to try and like radicalise the West yeah. and steal and cheat and lie and attack. It's We see it with the trans community. We see it yeah. with every, like I've seen it happen to Muslims since 9-11. Yeah, they'll take the minority really, of us and use it to. I'm not a Muslim now, but like you know. Yeah, it's really it's it's really fucked up, and it's like you you can see how how thought through all of this is. That's what I think is also so scary. Is like this like shift in politics that we're seeing. You can see the same narrative and the same language being used, and it's like it's like a tried and trust, tested thing, and then they're they're going, oh right, that that'll work, that'll get us into power no worry about the human cost or what that does or what, 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 how we're like, I don't want to say radicalizing, but how we're kind of changing mentalities and how people are treating people. It's brainwashing. It's brainwashing. Like they are, we've, we just saw it happen with Brexit, you know, like we saw yeah. them fear monger people into leaving yeah. Europe. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, in, it's, in, it's insane. And I like, you know, just on that point, I, again, I, I always feel like I'm in such a privileged um, position in my, in my job because we get to work with so many amazing organizations in so many different countries and have this kind of like umbrella view. But, but what, you know, that the, the themes that are just everywhere, it's like every community center that we work in, you walk in and you just see the art that the community is doing and people are, are there's just so so much talent you go into the informal education spaces and the kids are desperate to learn and they are they I'm always like god when I was a kid I was like so uninterested in school and these kids are like I want to be a doctor I want to be a teacher I want to be a CEO and you you walk in a camp that you're like this is this is hell and you hear music and someone will invite you into their tent or shelter for tea and they're, they've like made some amazing way of cooking and the food is like oh my god I can only just cook pasta and they're cooking like incredible feasts and like just the you, the humanity and the love that you feel everywhere this is this is not what is being talked about in the news exactly it's, like, it's literally like a different a different world this show is sponsored by better help now listen we all carry around different stresses big small medium size and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to but doing that all of the time can really really start to negatively impact your life and i say that from experience i'm british we are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever and uh, that's why so many of us are so sad now a way that i was able to remedy that was by having therapy which was super helpful for me not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're gonna get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal 
that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And something I love about what you do with Choose Love is that you, you know, we've spoken about this before, just the two of us, but you don't play into the kind of white saviour role. It's all about empowering the these people who you consider to be incredibly brave and strong and dignified, who you know from experience yeah. to be brave, strong and dignified. And there's so much, I mean, we're going to get into this in a minute, but there are so many ways in which like Josie and her team and, and the whole organisation are encouraging you just to further empower these people, not to save them not to rescue them to yeah. empower them to save themselves and it's all like you walk into one of the choose love stores um which again we will explain in a minute but like you walk into <laughs> any of those or any of the exhibitions that you guys have put on and you will see pictures of happy children you will see pictures yeah. of children at school children learning yeah. children smiling it's this very like humane happy you know, you rarely walk into any kind of charitable institution and you don't see kind of like poverty porn or distress, yeah. like trauma porn, you know, essentially yeah. there. And they're, they're using these yeah. incredibly extreme and sad images in order to try and provoke empathy. Whereas what I feel like you've done is made the decision to to choose love and to and to and to promote hope. You're you're showing people the future rather than the present. Yeah, it's not. It, well, it's it means the whole world that you can feel that and see that, and it and it was. You know, I don't, I, I don't think we need to show those poverty porn images in order to invoke empathy. And actually, they can do more harm than good. And it's really important to show people with with, with agency and with humanity and smiling and, like you say, with hope. But we're all, you know, we're also not not perfect and it's also just like the the very concept of of aid and humanitarian support there's like a power imbalance it's like there's there's so much that needs to be looked at you know i we called ourselves help refugees when we began and actually at the end we did a in response after black lives matter we we like everyone had a real moment of reflection and reflected that it was a problematic name for an organization the word help is problematic and so that that's why we're we're moving over to choose love because that is a much more inclusive unifying name and reflective of the the equal world that we are, are trying to work towards our, our mission is a, a a world that chooses love and justice every day for everyone um and help refugees didn't really 
didn't really, really reflect that. And I, but I, I also think that the only way that we're going to move forward and that progress, progress is going to happen is if we like have love for everyone and we give people the benefit of the doubt and we have conversations and we, we, yeah, we make people think hope is possible because it's, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world. And it's, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't care, but if people can, you can just find it too much. And I think you need to make people believe that change is possible and not everyone can go and give up their whole lives and fly to another country and volunteer on the front line, but they can donate 10 pounds, $10. And actually that makes more difference than they can imagine. And we need to empower people to believe that, I think. 100%. And before we before we get into exactly how my listeners can engage with what you do, where's this come from in you? Because like, we were two party girls. Like, you know, oh, you were. we were just in the Holy Arms <laughs> just <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. You know, we didn't used to speak uh, like this. We didn't used we- to... Is it okay that I'm saying this? It's just that it's, yeah. it's funny. Like we had that same kind of, mo- that same kind of call to arms at the same time in like 2015 in different areas. Mine was towards mental health. Yours was towards this incredible fucking cause that is changing lives in ways I can't even conceive of. But we both had that sort of turnaround. And the reason I, I like talking about that is because I think there are a lot of people out there who yeah. either think you have to be a famous actress like me to to be able to start to make a difference or you have to have always felt this way or always been this person you can never have been problematic you can never have been a mess you can never have been selfish we've both been Mm. problematic selfish messes in our lives like we've both come out of immense amount of trauma in our own Mm -hmm. personal lives that we had to work our ways through uh in order to get to this place of clarity where we can now start to give to other people like you and i have both fallen the fuck apart before in front of each other so much (laughs) yeah we've we've been through a lot in front of each other and and we have and we didn't I think we always cared about people I think we always had that empathy but we didn't care the way that we do now we didn't inform ourselves the way that we do now I listened to you talk and and I I I fucking love listening to the way that you talk and listening to just how much you know how much you expand my mind every time we speak but it's so funny to me how different this is to the conversations you and I were having 10 years ago (laughs) It's hyster- I mean, hysterical. It's, it is hysterical. Before, I, I feel like we, I would like come and see you and be like, I'm so hungover and I love <laughs> yeah. someone and they don't love me back. What am I going to do? I know. And I'd just be sitting there covered in chips. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unable to leave my house. Um, but I do think that's important. And, and I something something in this sector as well, like, you know, I, I didn't even finish my degree. I dropped out. I dropped out of university because I was really struggling, and I worked in a bar. I don't even have GCSEs. And, like, yeah. I just go on. Yeah, and you, and but you don't. But you, people think that there's this like, in order to make a difference in the in the world, or in order to be allowed to be in some spaces, you have to have done X, Y, and Z, and you have to have X, Y, and Z degree. And of course, that's amazing to have those things. Education is everything, but also I think. We just have to be human and just talking with normal words is really important. And, you know, like I, I said that thing earlier about when, when unaccompanied minors are talked about as UAMs, that you can, you can see how, how the, how system starts to, to forget that they're real people because UAM doesn't, doesn't make you think of a child by themselves. And it's, it's actually sometimes I think of a kind of, 
it's an it's an asset to just come come at this with an element of naivety and have just had to learn learn on the job and very lucky to work with so many incredibly knowledge knowledgeable people who who I still I learn from every day yeah but it is it is important that people know that anyone can do anything and anyone can make a difference and you and you don't have to be in power to be able to empower another human being I think that's something that's just really really important and you know you don't people watch me fuck up constantly and make mistakes publicly and this certainly other but the reason I keep going is because I think it's really important that you can see that I'm just an ordinary fairly ignorant woman who's just fucking determined to try and help other people (laughs) like even when people are like we don't want your help you're annoying I'm like I don't care I'm not gonna leave until I can until I can break down this system or shut down this law or this that and the other it's because you're just no 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 my hero well no I mean okay let's not do this again we do this in my kitchen every time we see (laughs) each other uh but like you're my queen and my my god Um, but but my my point being is that I'm determined to show people that you don't have to be super educated. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to no. get everything right all the time. No. You don't have to have never made a mistake to still be able to go on and make an effort until the day that you die to help other people. Yeah, no, it's true. And we, we, we every life is a work in progress. And yeah. like, you know, when I first, I think the first time that I went to Cali, when I went to a refugee camp, I took sweets and I gave the kids sweets. And then someone said to me, you know, you you can't do that. There's like so many reasons that's not inappropriate. One of which is that they don't have a toothbrush and toothpaste. You're actually fucking up their teeth. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) like, oh my God. And, and it's, it's, you know, and as we've developed as an organization, all of these, you know, we've, we've now have safeguarding policies and we do no harm is an absolute bottom line principle of humanitarian work. And and for us as an organization. Can you expand on that? What do you mean by do no harm is yeah well do no harm is like you you might think that you're doing good but are you actually doing harm so you might think that you're doing a nice thing by giving kids sweets but actually you're not helping their diet you're not um that they're you're gonna you're gonna rot their teeth you know you need to you need to think about like the long-term consequences of something we we have to we ask ourselves a lot you know we when we are giving people tents and shelter in an area where the police will come and evict them from those tents and shelter is it is it still the right thing to do to give them to give them those tents if that, if it's if it could lead to like police violence you know there are really hard conversations that our our partners have to have about what is right what is wrong what does love look like what does justice look like it's it's this is a it's a really, it's a really complicated and ever updating area to working, and and this is it. It's ever updating, and and it's so important to hold to hold us to hold our others accountable, to hold ourselves accountable, and then I think you're the best at this to not be to not be afraid of learning and to be not not be afraid of criticism and and yeah, the the person that I was five years ago who knew literally nothing about this. Um, has only been able to to get to this point by 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 trying trying by trying our best and by working with others and and taking and, and taking and like criticism on the chin 
and just carrying on. And taking on. criticism on the chin, yeah. So how can people out there now, like someone who's sitting in their bedroom, they're 17 years old and they're hearing this and they're galvanised by it, like what would you suggest are steps that they could take? Somebody's like, I have no idea about the refugee crisis. Like this is my first time really hearing about it beyond a terrifying yeah. fear-mongering headline um, yeah. in a right-wing media newspaper. Uh, what can I do? What are some things that they could do? I mean, there are so many things. The first thing that I would say to do is to like, is to read up on it. I would suggest coming to our Instagram page and our website. Great. And through there, you can, what's something that we always do is we talk about our partner organizations because it is our partners who are actually doing the work. And then I would suggest clicking through onto those organizations and, and learning more about their work and, and that people working in different countries. Um, and what's your website? And it's choose.love. Yes, perfect. Or, yeah, that's nice and easy to remember. And at choose love on socials. Great. Um, and then you can click through. And then, uh, you know, I think if people want to volunteer again, you can find that information out through through our platforms. During COVID, most of our partners, they, the, the, they've had to really work on a skeleton team. So there's not as much volunteering. But I imagine you know, later next year, hopefully that, that will be able to happen again. And I think volunteering in people's local areas, even at, at food banks, at refugee welcome communities, you can, you can just find that on Google. And then is this a good time for me to talk about the Choose Love Shop? Because that's a real 100%. way that people can help. Truly what I'm ge- gearing towards. <laughs> Great. Amazing. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't take the push. Um, <laughs> but so to, in 2016, our organization was very lucky to be the charity partner of the Guardian newspaper and it raised three quarters of a million um, pounds. And that went out with, you know, in days and weeks on tents, on f- firewood to keep people warm during the winter. And the following winter, we just were freaking out about how we were going to meet the needs again in all of these camps. We'd seen how how cold winter is. I just had never even occurred to me imagine being a human being sleeping outside in the, in the snow in a tent. And when all of your stuff gets wet in the rain, you have nowhere to dry it and you can't get dry. I mean, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's, it doesn't bear thinking about the work our partner's doing is so important. And we were thinking, what would be a cool creative way to fundraise? Refugee crisis wasn't in the news anymore. And we thought about that Amazon wish list that we'd done right at the beginning. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool? We were working with a, a friend of mine actually had the idea on his honeymoon. He was like, what if the Amazon wish list was actually a physical shop? And we opened a shop in London in Soho called the Choose Love Shop. Um, where you come in and you see the items that we're distributing on the ground, like a child's winter coat, a child's winter boots, a hygiene pack that has toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary products for women, a tent, a sleeping bag, or items that represent the services we provide, like a school bag or um, a, a life jacket that represented search and rescue. The school bag represented um, education programs. And you come in and you buy those items and you leave with nothing. And then we distribute them in the different countries that we're working. We always buy locally to support local economies. It's better for the environment. Um, and you can do get gift cards. This year we have amazing e-cards. So we have an online version of the store as well. Um, last year we were in LA, New York and London, but because of COVID we're not in the States. We'll be back next year though. But if you can go on to choose.love 
uh, or if you're in the UK, we also have a store on Carnaby Street and you can, you can go on the site and you can browse through. You can buy clean and safe water for someone for $30. You can buy warm winter clothes for $25. You can buy a COVID pack that has support for medical care. It has PPE. It has masks for people in for $40. You can buy hot food for $15. You can buy a tent for $25. And I can tell you hand on heart that that money is going to go straight out the door. The full amount that you donate for that item is going to go on that item or something incredibly, incredibly similar. And, you know, with, within days and weeks, not, and you guys, not within months. Yeah, you guys think of everything. Like, I think I, I swear last year I was buying like satellite phones. Yeah. That was one of yeah. the bundles that you had or nappies yeah. or like women's nappies. kind of, you know, yeah, women's uh, hygiene and 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 sort of yeah. sanitary care. Like there are all yeah. these things that we just don't even fucking think about. I was walking around looking at all of these utter basics, a toilet roll, etc. I was like, fuck, fuck me. These are the yeah. very basics of what human beings need. You have like little tooth kit cares, like like sorry, tooth care kits. You know, you've <laughs> it's you've thought of everything, and I love the idea that I'm just I'm not donating just a random sum of money, which also people can do and should do because yeah. fuck me, this yes. this company is is so clean through. Because I mean, listen to her speak. Listen to this fucking woman. Every single penny makes it to the people who need it the most. But also it is so amazing to physically, tangibly look at what you are buying for someone. If that's also school equipment, you really just kind of cover everything that someone could need to just basically start their life. Yeah. And it's really important. I think something that we really always want people to think about is that an individual has has so many needs and we as human beings have so many needs and it's not okay to just, you know, it's not okay for someone to just have a tent and a sleeping bag. That's not, that's not life. People shouldn't live in refugee camps at all. Um, and that we, that's why we have a, accommodation as one of the items. It's slightly more, more expensive, but those who can afford it, that's an amazing thing to buy to support people to actually start their new life. But, you know, it's really, think of all the trauma. We, we, we're all talking about well-being and having therapy, but imagine if you've, if you've been through all of the things that these people have been through, it's really important that we're also funding mental health support. And it's really important if you are separated from your family and you're living in a refugee camp, but you have a legal right to be with your family member in another country and no way to access that. You need a lawyer. So legal services is something that we have on the shop. And we really want to also take people on a journey in thinking about all or thinking about these people as whole human beings and that it's really important that we support them the whole way through their journey and that they need all the same things we all need for ourselves or that we would expect for our families. And that's something I, I, I feel so grateful for about the stories. We get people messaging in, you know, saying that their, their family's sitting with their, with their kids and they're spending time talking through it and it makes them Feel, it, it puts them in the shoes of someone else or we get actually today in the physical store in the in the UK um apparently a Syrian family came in who who are now like resettled here and they wanted to come in and support those who hadn't been able to make make it as far or it, it, it's just it's just yeah it it's so inspiring to me that that people people respond respond well to the shop and people care and you know I know it's been a hard year for everybody and if you don't not everyone has money that they can they can give away so so just 
you know, read up about refugee crisis, talk about it to your family. But if you are able to, we are so, so grateful. And I, I can't express how great the needs are this winter. And it's getting so cold already. And COVID is really breaking out. And yeah, like I said before, I, I promise you that that, that the money is going to go exactly where it's needed. And we will, we will really honour our responsibility of your trust in us. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There are hundreds of thousands of you who listen to this podcast. And if all of us just gave like $1 each or one pound each, we would make such a significant difference to so many people's lives. Even if it's just that, even if it's just a pound or a dollar, if you've got that to spare, then like join me in this and, you know, I'll be donating. And this is a, this is one of the only charities that I'm, I feel so like so passionately, not only, I don't just feel passionate about, yeah. but also it's one of the few charities I've met where I know through to the bone, it's good. And I trust you and I've seen what you do. And I have known you for such a long time and I know <laughs> where your heart is. And I know how many times you have gone without sleep or without food or traveling and sort of sobbing in, you know, in the middle of a camp somewhere because you feel as though you're still not doing enough. I know how yeah. big your aspirations are. I watch the way that you hold some of the most powerful people in the world to touch. I mean, <laughs> Josie is fucking shameless. It is, it's unbelievable. And she does it with the, like the sweetest, because she's got this like beautiful angel face and she's so smiley and she uses the word stunning all the time. Like she's disarming stunning. and you don't realise that she'll just like get in your face and be like, hi, can you do this thing? Because you've got loads of privilege and power. So can you use it to help these people who who are being discriminated against unfairly? And it is the, it is the most fucking boss <laughs> shit I have ever seen and the people that you end up in meetings with, I mean you met the fucking Pope for Christ's sake I did, I did. and you managed to I, wear your choose love t-shirt in the picture I did I did you know actually someone um someone it's not it wasn't a bet but someone someone <laughs> said to me someone um So one of the people that I did that to was I managed, I found out that Oprah Winfrey was going to be in London and I like forced myself to be invited to the party. And I, when (laughs) I I had a bag ready, ready for her and I like made a beeline and was like, hi, I just have to introduce myself for one minute. I have to tell you about what is happening in Greece and these camps and what's happening in the Middle East right now. And here is a t-shirt for you. And if there's any way that you'd wear it, I'd be so grateful. And I, I got her personal assistant's email and I sent an email off about what we do and then I didn't hear back. And then Oprah wore the, wore the t-shirt on Instagram and I literally nearly died and it resulted in 
um, so many t-shirts being bought and that message being spread and, um, and so much funding being available for the grants. Like, uh, I, uh, yeah, I will be forever grateful to her. If I ever meet her again, if I'm ever in the same room and I cost her again, I will tell her how grateful I am. This work requires, and I know that because I spend my life getting in the faces of people or sometimes screaming at them <laughs> publicly yeah. on Twitter and Instagram or like going to powerful like social media companies. Like you have, you have to not feel embarrassed because what you're doing isn't embarrassing. What they are doing or not doing is embarrassing. And it's so important that we start to look at that. And I feel as though now as as our generation is kind of shifting our collective consciousness towards like looking at capitalism as ugly, like looking at uh, hoarding of wealth as disgusting, like all these different things, like looking at celebrity as like pointless and fucking gross. Uh, Yeah. All of these things that make complete sense, like things that we aspire towards are now things that we find tacky and grotesque. Um, Yeah. I, I think that we are moving towards more of a a collective understanding that these people in power who are in the trillions now or billions and billions of dollars who have all this ability to change the ways in which algorithms send information our way or to hold media uh, giants to account, they're not doing it. Their inaction is an action. Yeah. It's an action yeah. of 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 giving no fucks and maintaining the 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 it, the the pain and suffering yeah. of these people who are innocent. It's a choice. It's a choice. These po- these policies that are being put in place, that that wall that has been built between the U.S. and Mexico and the 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 ICE teams that that's a policy. That's a choice. The the the. The police that we see on the on the French UK border that tear gas refugees that that is somebody's choice. It is somebody's choice that there is there are camps on the Greek islands where there are at some points last year there were twenty thousand people in a space for three thousand two hundred people. That is someone's choice. It, it it is a result of somebody's choice that that kids are drowning in the sea and. We we have to start we have to start talking about this and everyone has to really remember that they we all too have a choice and you know it's like an, another kind of cringe saying but I do think it's it's true if not now when like the, the, if there was ever a time for us to all stand up it's now and that's why I'm always so inspired by by you Jamila because you you it's always now for you and that's yeah. incredible <laughs> I'm very intense <laughs> um, but I. So you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you said that you guys can provide aid forever and that can just be what you do. But if we don't mm. change this on like a fundamental political level, yeah, that, that really like we're not really going to make any tremendous progress. We're not really going to yeah. be able to change the system. What does that entail? So... Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a huge question, like, I know, but it's imp- but it is important because I think people need to know like what fundamentally needs to change, like what yeah. what in this world needs to shift, not just in our in our like psyche, but also just in our actual systems. What needs yeah. to change? I mean, it's it's a deep long, it's a deep question, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll try my best to ans- answer it in a kind of concise way. But um, yeah, is there hope I- for change really? There, there is a thousand percent hope for change, right, okay. and like I, I, I really, I believe that change is coming, and I believe that that shift in consciousness is is happening, and but but it's only going to happen if people if people stand up and if people fight if people are peacefully fighting. But you know what I mean, and yeah, for us, this is our sixth winter since we began, 
And there's, there's very much, there can be a feeling of like, God, we're not, we're not making anything better. Like we're, we're giving out sleeping bags, we're giving out tents or our partners are, um, but it's, it's exactly the same as it was six years ago. It might, it might be different people, it might not be different people, but it's, it's, this, it's the same shit, different day. And what are we, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Are we part of the system? Are we just facilitating the system? There are people making money from all of this. I mean, it's, you know, it, you, you do start to sometimes have a bit of existential crisis, but I firmly believe that whilst people, human beings are in need while they are cold, while they are hungry, we have to meet those needs, but we also do have to make that space to look at why are they there in the first place. And that's very often because of foreign policy. It's because of root causes. It's because we sell arms. It's because of pro- profiteering. It's, I mean, there, there are so many foreign policies that, that are what, what causes war. It's because of systems of oppression. It's because of colonialism. I mean, we need to unpack all of these things. And it's amazing that those conversations are, are having now. Um, but then also, you know, in the kind of real day to day terms, for us, especially in the camps that we are working in, there are, there are policies that exist right now that are, make, that are making that happen. And sometimes there's international law being broken. And so for us as an organization, we need to really make sure that we're, we're looking at strategies to hold governments to account um, where possible, litigate against those governments, fund lawyers. It's really important that I think wherever we're funding humanitarian work, we have to also be funding that legal work. People have power and we, we do have to remember that. And the populations that we work with are very powerful individuals, but they don't have the power in the system right now. And we have to use our power to, yeah. to make, to make, to rebalance everything and to, to make everything as more equal. So petitions, so gathering the clothes petitions. and like sheets and, and belongings of your yeah. neighbours who are throwing everything out during their big COVID spring cleans, like yeah. doing anything, any small thing you can. This started, all of this started, What? how much did you raise? $45 million? 43. $43 million. <laughs> well, it's not as yeah. good then. Um, no, but like this started with a girl... <laughs> who worked in the music industry, who got a van and drove around and picked up people's clothes and sheets and belongings. You joined forces with other people, but you got, you you just got up and decided to do something. And it was something small. And that something small has turned into, with the help of so many other people, other organisations, other politicians, has turned into something huge. And so anyone listening to this right now who feels helpless, who feels isolated, who feels like they're not doing enough or they don't know how to join in, just know that you are capable of more than you could ever imagine. And the reason that you are not told that more often is because people in power don't want you to change anything. They don't want you to disrupt. They don't want you to interrupt their like cash collection. At the cost, yeah. at the supreme cost of human lives, human happiness, and just general, you know, humanity. There's work to be done all over the place, and ev- everyone can be a part of that. Even if it's just writing an email to your elected elected representative, or you know, tweeting them, whatever it is, we can all do something. Hundred percent. That's exactly the message of the day. We can all do something. So thank you so much for all of your time. I know you have to go and literally save lives now. So before you go, can I just ask you, Josie, what do you weigh? Oh my gosh. I I just I find this really hard. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess um, I weigh courage, I hope. Yes. Um, it's really hard, isn't it? Determin- determination. Yes. Um, a capacity to, for love. Yes. Um, and 
um I don't know it's smiling (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Uh, capacity Um, for growth and millions and millions of lives saved I'll finish it for you thank you for everything that you do I've watched you give up truly the last five and a half years of your life you have lived and eaten and slept and breathed this cause I have never I have never and I spend a lot of time with politicians with activists and with grassroots organizations I have never in my life come across someone as dedicated as you and it is a massive massive honor and privilege to know you um you ridiculous person uh I um I'm amazed that I ever got to meet a human being like you ever in my life and I talk about you all the time like this where I just can't I can't believe you're real and we should protect you at all costs because this isn't something that has been easy for you and you have been in constant turmoil and struggle with such powerful people you've risked your life so many times you've gone as a a beautiful uh, white woman on her own to places that are dangerous in order to try and help those who are in need and you have put your own life on the line to do these things often unaccompanied or not accompanied enough uh, because you believe in this so much and may we all live our lives to be a bit more like Josie Norton you you are my hero and so thanks I don't really know what to say I love you <laughs> love you lots Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson and the beautiful music that you're hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. I really appreciate it and it amps me up to bring on better and better guests. Lastly, at I Weigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com it's not in pounds and kilos so please don't send that it's all about your just you you know you've been on the instagram anyway and now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners i weigh being a first year teacher in a pandemic i weigh my grief for the recent loss of my sister. I weigh the beautiful relationship with my partner. I weigh helping people as a profession and as a way of life. And I weigh just trying my very best to be a good person. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.